0: Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to SWAT MMA. I'm Jared, here with Paul. What up? This is episode 175. We're going to be talking about the fallout for UFC 295, and we are going to ask the question, now that the dust has settled, just who is the baddest man on the planet? Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury, John Jones, Tom Aspinall. We'll figure it out. But first, grab your stash, fire it on up. Let's get into the weed of the week.
1: Smoke weed every day. All right. So today we kind of have a few different strains going on. Uh, So I'm firing up this joint of some ice cream cake right here. We've Got the blue dream coming out of the
0: pen there. I got a watermelon by Secret Orchard. 95% 95% THC in that pen. Jesus. Saw a sativa made from the watermelon kush.
1: Yeah. Ice cream cake, you know, it's one of those strains we've had plenty and plenty of times on the show. One of my personal favorites.
0: I almost bought some ice cream cake the other day. Yeah.
1: I got one garlic of... breath
0: instead. Did I? I fucking smoked it all in a day. <laughs> My neck was all fucked up. Oh, yeah. That'll help you. So I burned some weed quick. It. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to give thanks to Binoid CBD, as always, for sponsoring our Weed of the Week. You can get good deals on their products. If you go to our website, SWATMMA.com, click the Cool Stuff button, you can save 10 to 15% on your next order of legal CBD products. SWATMMA.com. Let's keep smoking this. And, dude, let's just get into UFC 295. Uh, let's start right at the top. We have a new... <laughs> UFC light heavyweight champion once again Alex Perea a little bit of controversy at first with the ko stoppage that seems to have kind of died down a little bit because yeah. Yuri himself has come out and said that he was he was knocked out and there's footage now of his eyes rolling back in his head and him going out so it, yeah it did look like a kind of a, a premature stoppage without a doubt but that mm-hmm. seems to have kind of worked its way down. What are your thoughts on that fight? I think it was one of those stoppages where like he was knocked out, brought back
1: and then knocked out again type thing. You know what I mean? Like that we see that happen quite often in MMA just because uh but my overall just kind of view of the fight was it was everything we thought it would be. You know, I thought it was two high level strikers um seeing who lands first. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it was billed to be. It's kind of what the build-up was, everything leading up to the fight, everything that was said between the two. And, yeah, I also think it was, like, two boogeyman going at it, too, because, like, that stare-down before the fight, them leading into the cage and stuff, that was that was some
0: some some real uh, moments there, you know? That was a very intense stare-down. Um, Alex Perea is... He's an animal. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about this guy for a little bit. He's had 11 pro MMA fights, seven in the UFC, if if I'm correct here. Three of those now title fights, two championship victories in two different weight classes, now holding two titles at 185 and now 205. Now, he has been the... Beneficiary of some circumstances that have kind of gone his way, like the title mess at two oh five, kind of paving the way, and his history with Israel Adesanya, kind of fast tracking him. Yeah, but on the the flip side, both weight classes. Yeah, on the flip side, you cannot blame the UFC in this scenario because it's not—he's older. He's—he's thirty. He's going to be thirty-seven in July. There's not a lot left here in his combat sports career. It, it the fast tracking for him made sense, and I think retroactively looking at it, it definitely was the right thing to do because he came through and he won in most of those circumstances. I mean, he got the knockout loss to Adesanya, but I would say in this fight he showed that he can take damage a lot better. I think at two hundred five than he could so drained at one eighty five. I don't know how that guy ever made one eighty five to begin with.
1: Well, yeah, the only person can really I would say that you can maybe look back to and. um compared to maybe like Brock Lesnar, you know, he was kind of in a similar situation, you know, where he came out of, you know, the WWE and all the different, like, you know, uh, college wrestling, football, all the different, all the different little uh, aspects of Brock Lesnar's career that went into him becoming a part of the UFC, kind of like Bray, you know, with kickboxing, all the different, you know, big fights he's been in in the past. When you have, like, an asset like that who's already proven – and is such a specialist in one area, I think that they tend to get these these little like fast track moments, and what they do with them is really up to them. And in Alex's case, and like Brock Lesnar's yeah, case. Yeah, see, that's the know. thing
0: right there. Is it, It's not just he. He maybe he got had some quote unquote lucky circumstances, or he was fast mm-hmm. tracked to title shots. He had to do his part in these scenarios <coughs> as well. Yeah. And he's he's really come through shining in each each time i mean yes he's got the knockout loss to adesanya whatever it was their what their fourth fight he's still up three victories to one over the guy and then he rebounded you know i thought pretty well against Blahovic. i know some people thought he didn't do the greatest you thought you weren't too impressed with that fight
1: yeah i wasn't too impressed with the performance but i mean that's also
0: you know it was his first at 205 against a former champ still in his prime yeah there's circumstances
1: behind that
0: um this guy is turning into a legendary combat athlete. For those unaware, he was a two-weight champion in kickboxing as well, uh, where he defeated Israel Adesanya, who at the time was basically the guy. Yeah. Um, and now to come over here and replicate the two-division championship status in the UFC in a different sport, with him, he's still green in a lot of aspects of his game. Like, yeah, and I think we saw that last night, too exactly and he's still winning yeah it's very impressive absolutely imagine what he would have done in mixed martial arts if he'd been doing that this whole time i mean it's just like a different style too
1: it's like it's almost like he refuses to conform to the mma style in a good way like the way he stands is like you know kind of more like kind of like kickboxing stance and the way he throws his leg kicks and Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very different. And I think it's to his own, you know, so much, like, positive in his own game because it's just not what a lot of guys are used to when they step in there. And I think it's been a big reason of why he's able to land these big shots is people aren't seeing them because they're not – people don't strike like he does in mixed martial arts. You know, it's a lot more, like, variety. There's a lot more, like – like he just kind of chips away, he chips away, chips away, chips away, chips away until he sees the big shot, takes it and puts you away, and like that's such more like of a long term fighting like style, you know what I mean? Whether it's yeah. like boxing, kickboxing, you know, you have your ten rounds, or I don't, I don't really know the the kickboxing rounds, but um, you know, just training like that, where you know you start kind of slower and you chip away, and then you look for your openings. And in mixed martial arts, people are like always taught to like go out with a like start with a bang and freaking, you know, go all out and try to finish people and he just refuses to be like
0: that. And his leg kicks are <coughs> a real, real problem. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and we'll talk about Mackenzie Dern's fight here in a moment, but there's some similarities between um I think the two fights in the fact that Yuri prior to the fight had said that he wanted to test himself in the stand up <coughs> against uh, <coughs> after eating 3-4 of those ridiculous calf kicks, he changed that strategy quickly yep. due to leg damage and and uh, went in for a takedown, which was smart and the correct thing to do. Why are those leg kicks so hard for these fighters to handle, Paul? What's going on there?
1: Because a lot of times when you throw leg kicks, you know, it's the turn of your hip is where people kind of you know, can judge when it's time to check a kick and or get out of the way, but there's no turn in the hip when he, when he throws leg kicks. He just throws them. Like, he just throws them, like, from, like, the waist down. It's almost like in basketball, sometimes people will be like, hey, you know, you got to start your shot up here, but then we have seen you know, different shot styles and stuff like that throughout the years are effective, and that's kind of how I view this. It's like, it's not necessarily the super conventional, you know, um, thing that you're taught. In the gym, but it's extremely, extremely effective as we see.
0: And it's very powerful. Um
1: Oh, yeah. So, the best way I would could, like, maybe compare it to is, like, someone hitting you with a fucking baseball bat in the legs, dude. Because, like, that, that dude just, like, just, he's such, like, and a lot of people have said this who have fought him. He, like, feels like and looks like he's made of fucking steel, man. Like, he just, like, the the power he carries for the frame he has and like the amount of power his just devastating like way his strikes land is just it's just not seen in sport in this whole sport man like it's crazy it's fucking nuts and then also not to mention Yuri is not bad defensively like like. I think he didn't get enough credit for how many of those shots he was able to bob and weave out of early in the fight. He was sitting there in front of Alex who's, you know, one of the most powerful strikers in in mixed martial arts with his hands down and just dodging, bobbing and weaving, and dodging. And ultimately ends up getting knocked out like in a clinch situation, but when we're talking about standing in front of each other, I thought he was doing a great job outside of the leg kicks of not getting hit and not letting
0: Alex land the big shots. Right. To round out this talk about this fight, where does Alex Perea sit now in the UFC as far as accomplishment status? Look, we've got, I think, still at the top of the heap, you have to give props to Henry Cejudo. He's got the two belts in the two different weight classes, and he has got, outside of the UFC, the Olympic gold medal in freestyle wrestling. Yeah. We've got some of the other dual champions. We've got Conor McGregor, who he had dual champion status in Cage Warriors. But I would say that that is of a lower status or a lower accomplishment level than Alex Perea, because he had the dual championship status in the premier kickboxing organization. Am I wrong? Yeah. Versus Cage Warriors is most definitely a regional lower level MMA tier. Yeah. Tier. So what is it? Is it just Cejudo that he's second to already? 11 fights into his professional mixed martial arts career, 7 fights into the I'm UFC. He's got people. the dual championship.
1: I guess you could compare it to like Randy Couture.
0: What did Randy have outside of the UFC? He had the wrestling he was, he pedigree.
1: Really, yeah, he he uh, got third in the Olympics in Greco I'm pretty sure so he got a bronze yeah which is you know no that's there's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's not shitting on that that'll mean that yeah, to yeah. sound
0: like oh he got a bronze but yeah. <laughs> but that's that the way. only
1: other two division champ I can think of too because Randy won a light heavyweight and heavyweight
0: that he did and he was older like Perea, too. Of course, we've got John Jones, but Jones has zero Yeah, but I'm talking outside. about outside. Yeah, I'm talking about Like, we're talking about combat athletes yeah. overall. John yeah. Jones is heads above Alex Perea as far as UFC accomplishments. Oh, so yeah. yeah, far. yeah that's, no. that's not what we're talking That's about. not the conversation. You're talking <laughs> about just overall achievement as a yeah. combat sports athlete in general. You have to have somebody who's a dual sport athlete for that distinction, or someone who was very good in another, like, like McGregor with the dual champion status is in the conversation at least, but ultimately fall short I mean he did the boxing thing I against guess cormier Floyd, too Floyd we've got cormier he is the grand Prix winner in strike force he is an Olympic. what, he what was he also. didn't he fall out yeah but the went cut to, issues
1: yeah there's 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 two he was on the world team multiple times and stuff like that, so it's there's there's definitely you know stuff in there that you got to give him somewhat of props for. How does um, that
0: rank against fighting in an organization, though? Well, like, I how mean, do you also, measure? Is that greater or less than? For me,
1: it was also a three-time NCAA All-American, though, too, which is yeah. pretty fucking intense as well.
0: Absolutely. And that's kind of almost where
1: you would say like someone like Brock Lesnar kind of in that conversation, too. He was NCAA champion, you know, uh, freak athlete in and, and multiple other other ways. I mean... There's really no accolades you can really so you point to the in top pro wrestling. of this list dominated
0: yeah. by the wrestlers who've had the elite levels of success and then gone on to UFC championships as yeah. well. Outside, I of- would say
1: him and Cormier are probably neck and neck, just because of the the amount of title fights and and wins Cormier had. But uh, you're right, though. It's pretty. It's a short list. It's a short list of people you really have to put them on now because. There's only so many people that have been able to take their outside. And, and I guess you could say someone like the jujitsu guys as well. Like someone like, you know, your your Damian Myers, but he never really got the title. But championship-wise, I mean, even that, I don't even know who you really could point to.
0: You've got Alex like doing most of this in a <laughs> far shorter amount of time yeah. than these other guys did. Mm-hmm. However, he's a lot older I think that it, I mean Cormier was pretty old when he hit the UFC. I guess Izzy
1: obviously is in that conversation. Izzy's well. in the
0: conversation. Yeah. But his problem is unfortunately he ran he never, into yeah, Perea yeah, in both yeah. sports. He never. And got yes, the he's got the one knockout either. win, but he's also got the loss, and then he's got the two kickboxing defeats.
1: Yeah. Well, and then also he never got the dual status either. Like mm. Cormier has the two the two belts. Randy's got the two belts. Yeah, that's
0: the problem. And 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 Izzy tried. He went yeah. up. And face Blahovic and lost. Yeah. Whereas Perea goes up the and faces the same guy, Blahovic, and wins. Do you think that's rubbing Izzy's fucking ass the wrong way here? It's gotta. Because, I mean, here he is. He's the shit in kickboxing, and along comes Perea and ends all that, basically. Yeah. Then he goes to MMA, and he's the shit. And then here's this guy again, and he comes along, and then he fucks all that up. And then Izzy finally snatches a victory here, right? And then Perea just comes and upstages him, beats the guy he lost to at 205, and then achieves the dual championship status. Yeah. Like that's gotta be fucking annoying this dude. It don't oh, annoy yeah. me. And I'm Absolutely. not petty. Israel's yeah. petty. Israel's a petty motherfucker.
1: Yeah. Um oh I it definitely has to. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't at this point. It's like the same thing, as like it probably like as much as it probably doesn't as much, but like Probably had to chap John's ass when fucking DC was toting two belts around, like yeah, John sitting on the sideline, like, yeah, like, for sure, fucking sure. John sitting on the sideline the whole time, and like that's a, that's the thing is like everyone's gonna have an ultimate you know rival in sport, in the same way you know <laughs> there's so many people in, in sports that are considered rivals. At the end of the day, it's good, it's gotta suck, it's <laughs> gotta suck, you know. <laughs>
0: So we're going to agree that the list is still topped by Cejudo, and then a tie in second place between Cormier and Perea at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other
1: two, two division champions.
0: I'm sure we're forgetting. <coughs> well, not just BJ two Penn. division champs, but somebody that has a significant Actually, sorry, accomplishment gotta put, outside of you gotta the you got to put
1: BJ football. in there, too. BJ won the fucking... Won the Jiu Jitsu World Championship two years in the Jiu Jitsu and then fucking winning and won two different championships in the UFC. This well. is true. It's
0: it's hard to it's it's easier to forget about him because of his flame out at the end. Yeah, but, but you're that's correct. He belongs in that he, conversation. Yeah, as Yeah, well. he's in
1: that conversation. It it's kind of tough with the older the older um, eras of of the UFC and mixed martial arts because that's kind of the birthplace of. Mixed martial arts is guys from other disciplines coming in and trying mixed martial arts. So I, there's like tons of people you can yeah, point that, to. Yeah, that like does in the early flavor the conversation
0: stuff. in a weird way. And plus, the skill levels Even are vastly Randy. different now too. Yeah, I mean the evolution of mixed martial arts from the 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 era of BJ Penn's greatness to right now is is two very different things. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that that's, like, something that Joe Rogan says a lot, that, that mixed martial arts is probably the one sport that you can point to in, like, 25 years and see the most just crazy differences in which, like, the thing we were watching 25 years ago to now. Yeah. Well, 30, I guess
0: now. It's just because there's so many different things you can do. Well, all right, let's move on to the co-main event now, which sees an interim heavyweight championship crowned in Tom Aspinall, who went in there and made one-minute work of (laughs) Sergei Havilich. He rocked Tom, too, though. He did. Tom survived some pretty big shots. You know, these guys were both on impressive streaks. If you take out the uh, Curtis Blades fluke technical loss that he had, you know, due to his knee Uh blowing out in 15 seconds. Um, and that's one very interesting thing about Aspinall is really, I mean, he's got three losses on his record, but one of them is the Curtis Blades loss due to injury in the first 15 seconds. Another one of them is a disqualification due to illegal elbows. Okay. And so both of those aren't really losses. Yeah. Then in his fourth professional fight, he lost by heel hook. Yeah. So he's kind of in a way like John Jones's record where he's not really 14 and three. He's more like 16 and one. Just yeah. like Jones is not really twenty eight and one, he's twenty nine and zero. We all know this. Yeah. Or thirty and zero if you count the fucking the no contest win he had over Cormier. Yeah.
1: He was yeah, very I impressive it was a great performance. He was
0: rocked. He did look good. Yeah. He made short work of a tough guy who was on a six fight win streak of his own. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing the same conversation now. I feel like I've heard three times in a row. I feel like every time we see an impressive victory at the top of the heavyweight contender list, suddenly they're the greatest thing that's ever come around. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Aspinall isn't isn't, but let's just rewind it back to Nganu leaving, and then the Curtis Blade or not Curtis Blades, uh, Cyril gone. Remember all the talk, his movement, his footwork. It's his striking has never for, before been seen in the yeah. UFC. Combined with this size. And then he lost. And then we had Sergey come in and make fucking short work of uh, uh, Blades. Curtis Blades. And then it was the same thing. John Jones don't want none of this smoke. This guy's a fucking monster. He's never going to get beat. He's 19 in a row, whatever the fuck it was. No one's seen striking like this. Mm-hmm. Then Aspinall comes back and beats him. And now it's the same story again. John Jones doesn't want none of this smoke. This is the greatest fighter we've ever seen. He's revolutionizing heavyweight. Again, I'm not saying he's not, but is this not a thing we've heard on repeat now? Is it real this time, or is this just what everybody likes to say every time there's a contender at the top? See, I think that we're also in this transition
1: period within the heavyweight division as a whole where we kind of (coughs) know that when John comes back and does fight Stipe, that they're probably going to both walk away from the game at the end. So I think that it's... People's natural idea in their head is to think, okay, if we make all this hype about this guy, this guy, this guy, it's going to make John want to keep fighting because that's kind of been the whole MO of the whole UFC is like, they're like, well, John's got to have interesting fights to keep fighting. And so the more and more we build these guys up, the more and more and more John's going to want to knock them down. So I think that it's not only on on the fan side of things, but I also think it's on the UFC's side of of saying, hey, there's there's guys here, John. There's people here that
0: you can fight. I think if they lay <sighs> enough heat behind these guys, not that they're not deserving of the praise. They Even are. So, Aspenal's so, a goddamn yeah. beast, dude. He's impressive as hell. Even at the
1: time, too. Cyril Ghosn has some great qualities as a fighter. Absolutely. It's just the, the marketing machine behind him kind of turned all the fans off to him because... They, they saw what happened when he fought in Colorado. They saw what happened when he fought Jones, and everyone's like, yeah, okay. I mean, he's, yeah, he can strike, but he's very one-dimensional. Right. But I think that's the difference in these two, though,
0: is Tom Aspinall is not one-dimensional. He is no, very, he's got wins by sub. He's got wins by KO. He's, he's only been well to the second round twice, and that was against uh, Andre Arvlovsky, which he won uh, by a submission. Yeah. He's got Multiple first-round KOs. He does have good movement. He does have great striking. He is super athletic. He's, he's great. Size. fucking humongous. He doesn't yeah. seem as big as he is when we're looking at him on the TV, but he's six foot five, like two sixty. He's a and big And The kid talks
1: well. He's good in front of a camera. Like he has a pretty solid following. When they did all those those cards out in the UK and they had all where it was like him, Patty, Molly, uh, and they kind of built these like stars out of that part of the world. Yeah. Like, it's so much easier for them now to try to sell that star to the U.S. and to this side that I think that's, like, it all goes into it, you know? They just needed to see him prove it in the octagon. And now that he has, everyone's like, told you. (laughs) But it's like, not really told you, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, we told you he's the greatest next thing. But John's a different animal, though. I don't know. I'd I like to say that this is probably the most interesting contender of all of them. If he were to fight Jones,
0: I don't, I don't know really if Jones is going to retire or not. I do think Stipe is definitely going to retire with a yeah. win or a loss against John Jones here. I think that much is evident. Yeah, that's why he wants this fight. He wants to test himself against the best, and I think that. I don't have a problem with them holding off for the fight. I think it's what they should be done. It's the UFC's fault that the fight didn't happen sooner to begin with. Yeah, I mean, this is a fight that we didn't have to do the whole fucking Cyril Ghosn fight. We didn't need this that bullshit. We didn't need this interim title nonsense. We didn't need any of that. You could have just done Stipe versus Jones for the vacant fucking title after Francis left, and we wouldn't be in this position right now. Yeah. But the UFC was trying to play hardball with both those guys because they were under contract negotiations with John at the time. And, uh, anyways, here we are. Mm-hmm. So, I don't have a problem with that, but I just think it's so far and there's so much in the mix for Aspinall to actually face John Jones. I don't think that that should even be in the conversation right now. I think that we should be looking at, since we know what John Jones' next fight is, and we know the UFC, unless something else happens and the fight's postponed again, they're not going to strip him, and that's what they're going to do. And yeah. we should look. Well, who's Aspinall going to fight next? Because I believe we are going to get a defense of the interim title here. I don't have a problem with it. Because of what you just said prior, They're most likely they're both going to retire, and this person's going to be elevated to full champion status anyways. Yeah. So why not just let them do their thing? Let John and Stipe fight for the quote-unquote real belt. Mm-hmm. They've both earned that right, haven't they? Yeah. I mean... And then if they both write off into the sunset, cool. If they don't, then hey, you got John Jones versus a guy who's really made a a big following for himself by having a defense in there as well. Yeah. And you have him fight most likely um, who Curtis Blades? Probably no. Cyril God. <laughs> uh, who?
1: <laughs> Probably Cyril Gone.
0: Cyril Gone. That's what I meant. I don't know why I said Curtis Blades. I was just thinking, I. Yeah. All right. So I have a serious question for you. Take all the all the bullshit
1: out. We just talked about you know whether selling legacy, all the other shit. Right now, who's the tougher matchup for Jon Jones, Tom
0: Aspinall or Stipe Miocic? Well, I know the the odd, more obvious answer would be to say Tom Aspinall because he's younger, he's stronger. Stipe hasn't fought in two years. And Stipe is older and hasn't fought in two years and has been beat in the UFC. But I would honestly, I I would say most likely, if you really look at it, it's Stepe, because Stepe is a seasoned fighter with championship experience, mm-hmm. who's been five rounds. He's been in there with wrestlers. He's he's found ways to win. Where Aspinall is a knockout artist, and, and he's he's knocked some people down and gotten subs. He's been out of the first round in the UFC one fucking time. Yeah, and I just think that it, that that. That massive championship level, that plays a factor, and I think is actually a little bit more dangerous. I think we'd be more likely to see him handle Aspinall the way he handled Cyril Ghosn than we're likely to see him do that to Stepe. I think we could see the Stepe fight go to a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and picked up Aspinall, body slammed him, and subbed him real quick. Now, I'm not saying that he will. I'm just saying I, that I wouldn't be like, oh, my God. Yeah, It would be like, okay, cool, just, just like, like he did to Ghosn. The
1: pedigree Gann. at which you rank Stipe is... In a different level than not to say Aspinall can't get there because obviously look, I think no Aspinall will beat
0: Stipe. Honestly, yeah. I do. I think Aspinall versus Stipe is probably an Aspinall victory right now, I used to like, yeah, just because.
1: Of, and I think that's but kind of think part of why they're more dangerous
0: it. for John Jones,
1: yeah, and I think that's kind of part of why they didn't give Stipe the fucking Interim title fight not to try to take anything away no, from him because Stipe's. it burns him if it he loses. just burns him so bad if he loses. If he loses it that fight, the, the UFC just fucked him over, man. Yeah. Like, or because it, it, it hurts Stipe's legacy as well. 100%, it has, it'll never get the Jones much, fight out. Yeah, that just as so much fight. as like, just as much as like losing to John would suck for Stipe and you know, kind of question part of his legacy as like the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think would suck even more is if somebody who didn't have John's pedigree were to beat him oh, yeah. and be able to take that from him. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because we've seen that over the years, and that's why, you know, you have those – when you have the greatest heavyweight of all time conversation, you have to look at the fi- the times in which these guys were exposed. Like, you know, Fabrice Aware Doom has one of the best resumes of all time. Like – when you consider like people he's beat, yeah, but then when you look at some of the people he's lost to, is when where you go, Oh, maybe he's not, and then like, and you can't really, you really don't have that on Stipe's record outside, I guess, of Francis, but they're one and one, so right. you know, you, and uh, it's Francis and, and I mean, yeah, so it's like, yeah, and that too, but I just mean, in ideas like he doesn't have any bad losses, and if he were to have lost to Pavlovich or or uh Aspinall, would have been maybe in the future been deemed one of an underrated, you know, guy that nobody oh, – people overlooked and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. But in this moment, if he would have, like, gone out there against Sergey Pavlovich and got knocked out by Pavlovich, like, that would have been, like, ooh, hang him up, Steve, babe. And mm-hmm. it would have been – That's how he would have gone out. Instead yeah, of possibly
0: losing to the greatest if of all he, time. If he
1: goes out and fights to a decision against John and it's a close fight, you could be like – let's run it again or let's see Stebe continue his career and maybe get back to that fight you know what i mean because the w- level at which he is at will be deemed based off his next performance yeah. because he's had all this time off because he's you know he's coming off the loss to Ganu and everyone is kind of in this weird i feel like Steve you know just in general like for his career that's why i feel like the loss or win ends his career because like there's not a better way you can end it and there's not a worse way you could end it. You know what I mean? Like, you know there is more. I mean, on the other way, there is much worse ways you could end it. Like, if he were to lose Jones and then go in and fight, like I said, a Ciragon or someone like that, get clipped and lose. It's like, all right, dude, well, <laughs> like I, three in a row and you're out. You know what I mean? I don't. I'm,
0: I don't. I don't ever want to see Stevie Mayochik hang around and start losing a bunch in a row or some shit like yeah. some of these older guys do. I think with his accolades, that, that would be a terrible look for, like, like let me look at BJ Penn, for God's sake. I Dude,
1: look like at Andre Orlovsky. Andre Orlovsky has
0: know, had some great wins, and, you know,
1: he's had some big comeback performances. But at one point, Andre Orlovsky was in that same conversation that Stipe and, and all these other guys were, as being, like, the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. Yeah, and he tarnished and the then, fuck out of that. Yeah,
0: And so, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping win or, Mir, or, 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 lo- or loss. Well, if he wins, he'll probably do it again. With a loss, I'd like to see Stipe go out. I don't think there's any shame in losing to John Jones. No. And I think it's an important legacy fight for both guys. Stipe is... He holds the records at heavyweight to make and him the technical that, best. if he
1: somehow pulls out a win over John Jones, it's wow. the biggest fuck you to everyone, I'm out.
0: Yeah. And then there's I no question you. who's the best heavyweight of all time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was the one guy everyone tried to write off. So, he continues to drive off. So around.
0: this entire scenario, really, I don't have a problem with. I usually don't like interim belts. I don't mind this one. I don't mind them waiting. The time period for this fight, because of the historic nature of the bout between Jones and Stipe, and I don't have a problem with an interim defense. In fact, I think you kind of have to. Yeah. What's the point of the interim oh, belt man. if you don't have it defended in the thing? You're supposed to keep the division moving, right?
1: Yeah, and then so, Tom also kind of is like he's he's pretty fresh as far as
0: like you know physically. So yeah, I, you know, for fuck's sake, the guy hasn't acquired. thrown a hundred punches I don't think in his UFC fucking career or landed a hundred. <laughs>
1: Who do you think could really test him, though? Let's just, let's talk about him for a minute. So you know you got Tom Aspinall; he, he's in the prime of his career physically and in you know age-wise. Um, who do you really feel that like is someone you'd like to see him fight going forward?
0: Hmm. I don't know. Let's take a look at the rankings here. Yeah, I mean we've got gone at first place, like we said. Pavlic, these are old in second. Stipe at third. Tom at fourth. So that takes all those out. Then they were coming into Curtis Blades, Volkov. There's Jatan Almeida's interesting. Yeah. Sp- Spivak just got beat. Tuvasa just got beat. Tybura just got beat. Derek Lewis just got beat. Rosenstruck, who?
1: Yeah.
0: And, and then who cares about the bottom? Wrong. The heavyweight is not a lot going on right there.
1: Yeah, I'd say the only two that make any sense to me is maybe the Blades one to get back from the, the whole injury thing and Almeida after that performance against Derek Lewis. I mean, obviously there's some. Yeah, he's right up there in the answer. mix.
0: So I think you I think what you do is you have him defend against Cyril, Aspinall Cyril, and you do it over in Europe somewhere. It'll be massive. Yeah. You have the gone, you have Stepe and and uh them play out. And then you have uh, either the, the, those two winners fight or you just elevate him to the number one status and then you've got uh, Almeida waiting for that fight afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think maybe you do Blades Almeida next. Yeah, and you can just do Blades Almeida in the meantime as well. Yeah, because I feel like that also is a pretty, a, big, a pretty big fight for the division as well because those are probably the two best grapplers in the division outside of John. Because Curtis
0: got, got fucked in that, that loss, or that victory over Aspinall as well. I mean... For all we know, Curtis is going to go out there and wrestle, fuck the dude, and win. I mean, we don't know. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to see it. Yeah. So, I think that's how it plays out.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean,
0: That's the only person I would really like to see him be tested against. After that, if he takes care of Surogan and then either fights the winner of Stipe or gets elevated to full champion, Stipe Jones, I mean, then ah, I think he would most likely defend at least a couple times and start trying to challenge for that title that Stipe held. Yeah. Until someone else rises up. I mean, it is heavyweight, I wonder if those so count, a lot though. can happen. But I
1: wonder if those count the same since he's an interim title. Holder. Yeah, I don't think so. Because, like, even even to this day, when you're when you talk about, like, when they were cho- showing uh, Poirier and Gaethje and all the guys in the in the crowd, like, oh, former interim champion Justin Gaethje sitting front row, yeah, like oh, sitting right next to another former interim champion Dustin Poirier. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. That's kind of fucking, I mean, it's kind of would suck for Aspinall to maybe ring off, like, two interim championship defenses and then, like, gets lifted up and everyone's like, all right, now you got to win three in a row to be considered (laughs) the same as Steve. It's like, so i got to win five in a row now? (laughs) Because you motherfuckers made me sit and wait? That would
0: be fucked up. All right, well, let's talk about... uh, Let's talk about your girl, Mackenzie Darn, who fought uh She's trying to get me,
1: That's not my girl anymore. Man. She's done. <laughs> She's
0: done. Dude. That was rough. Um, yeah, so she lost <laughs> in the, just a shocking manner. I mean, yeah. she lost to the, what, KO in round two, the 315 mark. Um. If you count the last knockdown where the fight was stopped, there's a total of five knockdowns. I guess for some reason they don't count that. So it was only four for the fight. I don't really know. But I know Jessica broke the record for the number of knockdowns in a women's MMA fight, at least in the UFC. Um, I mean, look, I don't understand what happened in this fight. Dern came out and just was really happy to use her fists and not much else. And to really stick her chin as far up in the air as humanly possible. And then charge forward sloppily against someone who really knows how to punch quite well. Yeah. And I don't understand it. I'm like fucking baffled. Because she her striking looked vastly improved in her last fight against Angela Hill. Like, she's been working on it clearly. Yeah. And we know her strengths are in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And we know that Jessica Andrade's strengths... Are in the stand-up game. Yeah, and she also has ridiculous power,
1: and she's very strong. Yeah. So I just don't understand who... So there's also been this kind of... What, for people who don't know, there's also been this shift in Mackenzie's career mm-hmm. where she, you know, had... She was, what, 6 or 7-0, oh, loses a fight, has a kid, kind of takes some time off, comes back, but has showed, like, some more more sharper skills in her last three, four, five fights than she ever did earlier in her career, before she had a kid, before she kind of took some time to try to hone (laughs) more of her MMA skills. And I think in that time period, also now this fight was her first one without Jason Perillo, also trainer, which I've never heard of anybody firing. Fucking Jason Perillo as their striking coach. That's pretty fucking nuts to me. And then all of a sudden, this comes out. Like what we saw on on Saturday, I think that uh, maybe there's been some missteps. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how how else to really categorize it. I've never seen somebody who's so (coughs) had such rudimentary (coughs) striking earlier in her career ever try to push a striking-heavy game plan against someone who's known as a deadly striker. And you're the grappler. That doesn't make any sense to me. They're like,
0: I just didn't get it. It wasn't. I wasn't understanding what I was watching. I mean, it was egregious. It wasn't just like, oh, she should probably tuck her chin. It was like, what's happening here? Not only should she tuck her chin, she should fucking shoot a single leg. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about um, the main event that it kind of tied into the Mackenzie Dern fight, and because they both kind of had the same strategy at the beginning. Okay, because yeah. clearly, Dern has fallen in love with her stand-up, and she wanted to test herself against Jessica. I mean, I, I mean, we don't know this, but I think that's a fucking safe assumption. Yeah. Okay, and we had Yuri want to do the same thing against Alex. He goes out and he does that, and he is faces a little bit of reality. Only it came in the form of leg kicks instead of face punches. Okay, and he shifts his strategy. Not that he completely gave up on the stand-up, but he immediately goes in for a takedown and starts mixing fucking things up. And I think it won him that first round. Yes, absolutely. Now we've got Dern, who at the end of the first round, after getting tagged up several times, is knocked down and basically saved by the bell, or she would have been swarmed. And instead of switching to her absolute strength and finding a way to go in and get the takedown and get the sink to the fucking mat and start working it over, she just keeps throwing wild punches. Which
1: is even crazier to me because, like, Yuri is a striker.
0: Right. Kenzie Dern is
1: not a striker. No. She's not. Like, how? Who? what coach in your corner sat there? I, I don't think they did. I, I From what I understand, from what I remember, I could be wrong. You know, I smoke a little bit. But, uh... When Dern went to the corner, they said to take her down. And she just went in there and just winging
0: him up. I didn't hear that, but I couldn't hear everything her corner was saying. I did hear a lot of you're doing great from her corner, which struck me as odd. And I absolutely did not hear, Mackenzie, you have to keep your chin tucked. Tuck your fucking chin. Tuck your chin. Tuck your chin. I heard that not once. Now, we don't get to hear everything the corner says. Yeah. But. It was rough. I mean, this is a fundamental. Like, and I'm not just speaking as a fan. Like, I I used to box. I've been in those gyms. I've been through those drills. Like, dude, that is so fucking focused on. I don't understand how she's got high-level striking coaches like Jason Perillo and... She's doing that. I don't understand, especially when everybody can see it that has any type of fight acumen. It's not like I'm some fucking genius here going, I think Mackenzie <clears throat> needs to tuck her chin, Paul. Yeah, Like they were, they were Joe saying was it going and, yeah, he was going off on it on, off, it on the like, broadcast. She's just sitting there with her chin in the air. Like you're inviting the knockout, yeah. and then the knockout happened. And so her coaches, they're smarter than all of us, mm-hmm. but still she doesn't seem to be doing that. And that should have been what they're telling her. Tuck your fucking chin and go for a takedown and yeah. stop this bullshit. And either they said that when we didn't hear it and she didn't listen or they didn't fucking really say that to her other than they did say, apparently you heard them say you need a takedown. But yeah, I just don't understand how you could possibly be in a fight and have your chin up in the air that high at this point. I understood it when she first transitioned. Yeah. I don't understand it now. Yeah, like Like that was some goddamn like novice boxer level shit, bro. But
1: I do think that's kind of part of the problem too is like when you're someone who never was fundamentally like a great striker, when you start seeing certain things go well, you ignore all your other all your other like technique because it's just not first hand to you. And I feel like that's kinda of part of what happened too, because there yeah. was a couple good shots that she did hit Andrade with. Well she, she tagged her a she couple. She was yeah. tagging Andraj a little bit, but like not nearly in the amount that she was getting hit back, but I just mean in the fact of like she saw a couple shots land when things got sloppy and she was like, well, maybe things don't have to be so technical here and thought she could go in there and get into a firefight with Dresdka and Drodd, which is probably one of the dumbest things of all time, but that's the only kind of maybe you know scenario I can think of in my head in which she would do
0: what she did out there. And in, 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 like I said earlier, she has shown improvement in her striking. And you're mm-hmm. right. She did tag Jessica up a couple times. And in her haste, that's what led to her demise is because mm-hmm. she did clip her and Jessica got a little fucked up. But then Mackenzie charged in like yeah. crazy, fight. like like tough man contest style, yeah. like chin up in the air, ha- arms flailing, and all Jessica Moining had to do was punches. just throw a basic mm-hmm. good form punch.
1: Which you can definitely bang,
0: uh, bet your buck on with uh,
1: freaking Jessica. She's That's the wrong person you ever want to do that kind of shit. Well, and with, it's man. not
0: like Mackenzie's has like, oh, her jab is so great. She did land some decent jabs, but you know what the problem is? She fires the first part of the jab fine. And then instead of bringing her fucking fist back on a string to her fucking chin, she literally just drops it straight. Like the jab hits, and then she drops her arm straight down, that's doesn't bend dead. it down to her waist. Yeah and then moves backwards because Jessica's firing at her and sticks her chin up in the air at the same time. Like she did that multiple times. Not only and I that, don't get it because she's taller than Jessica, too. So it's, you're looking down. It's even easier to tuck your fucking chin. You're not looking up. You're looking down. Yeah. Not only that, too, you also saw her.
1: She would like kind of hang that jab out and try to throw like the straight over it. So she'd be like throwing both her hands at the yes. same time. I'm like, what the fuck are yeah, you she doing? She wasn't all the way said, back before she was she's like, firing the, the other jab, but then she, she was like, trying to throw it straight over, but she was bringing it back. She was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Dude, that's I'm mean, of the knocked opinion out. she's
0: done. That's how you get that. knocked out. Like, that's it. We've just seen her peak. That's it. I don't think she can, she can't. I'm not saying she's done in the UFC. I'm saying she's never going to win the title. She's. This is probably the highest ranking she's ever going to achieve. Well, that's that's a real thing. bummer, but I think that's it. Like she she doesn't have what it takes to, to proceed if she's still making that that those mistakes now, yeah. and you're ranked fifth in the division. Yeah, because you're going to keep running into the
1: same scenario as you go up. You're not going to fight someone like a Rose Dami Yunus and do that. She should be gonna, fighting like Damian Maya. Yeah, that's literally what we were talking about before the show. Jake Shields. She, she needs to ha- figure out something similar to Damian Maya. Ben Use Ash. her striking to create. Grappling scenarios. Mm-hmm. What she's done is the complete opposite. But, um, yeah, I, you're not doing that against Zhang Wei Li. You're not doing that against Brosnami Namajunas. You're not doing that against Jessica Andrade. You're going to faceplant every single time you do that in those big fights. And what, you're going to go up in weight? You're going to do that against Valentina
0: Shevchenko? Oh, yeah. No. Please, <laughs> no. 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 So... I have respect for Dern. I mean, as a fighter, I'm not trying to just shit on her and be like, oh, she sucks. She doesn't suck. She doesn't suck. But that's, she's not going to get to that next level. Like,
1: she's... Unless she just changes the whole game plan and just goes straight grappling heavy and rattles off some big wins. Outside of that, she's really screwed herself with the with the performance. Because there's one thing in losing. Losing losing doesn't end your career in MMA. No. Bad performances are what ruin your career in MMA. Everybody loses. But the people that lose, with respect, like Kamara Usman lost to Kamsa. But at the end of the day, no one's going to sit back and go, "Ah, Usman doesn't have it anymore because he lost to the number one contender on two weeks' notice in,
0: in a different weight class." No, it's how she it's fought. How she it. fought is going to damage her reputation. As well, that shit. She fought like it was her second MMA fight coming over from jiu-jitsu, and she didn't know what she's doing. And it was a real bummer because she yeah, did have moments way of success. Imagine yeah. if when she tagged Jessica up and stunned her a couple of times, she just fucking dropped down for a double leg and tried yeah. for the takedown. And went to a submission or yeah. tried to take her back. Or, you know. yeah. There's so many other ways she could have. Get her been. on the ground and use SIs to her advantage, but no. It's yeah. a fucking trip. Yeah.
1: It's fucking awful. Um, another great fight, though, we had. I'm going to have to his name up. I know his first name is Benoit, but Saint it's St. Denis. St. Denis, yeah. It's, Boy. Dude, that guy's a fucking problem. Took Whoa. on Matt Frivola in a pretty quick fight. He ends up getting the knockout, I think, about a minute and four seconds into the
0: fight. Um 131 officially. One okay. thirty one. Okay. Um, but Off Jesus. a ridiculous kick to the face. Yeah.
1: Like, he guy timed it so perfectly.
0: Frivola was backing up, and I guess he didn't think that kick could reach him. Yeah, because he got tagged up with it.
1: And this guy, he's a former uh, special forces guy when he was in uh, France, and he's is just he? yeah, he's literally is a savage. Well, he just lost his
0: very first fight uh, in the UFC by decision, um, and since then he has rattled off five in a row now, mm-hmm. and he has got victories by rear naked choke. TKO punch, rear naked choke, TKO punch, and now TKO kick.
1: So you one thing you have to take into account when we talk about any of these guys from France also, is that mixed martial arts was illegal in France up to like only two or three years ago. So uh, there has like not illegal in the sense of like, you know, you could train, but there was no like fighting organizations out there. So none right. of these guys are gonna have an extensive career background. Um and not only that, there's not as many gyms. So he's kind of one of those kind of like Valentina Fuchenko, obviously she's not French, but um she is does this. She goes around it and trains all over the world. That is what Benoit does also. He goes and trains all over the place. He doesn't train like he doesn't really have like a home gym. He train he like goes here, there and everywhere for all the different disciplines for him to train. And just those kind of people and like uh, him being like former special forces, you know, he's got, you know, unbreakable will and you know a lot of mental strength. So this guy could be a fucking problem at 155, dude. In a in a division that's already, you know, deep as fuck, you do have a new fresh name that people are gonna have to deal with, and I think it's Benoit.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got almost six significant strikes per minute average which is pretty damn high 52 um, percent striking accuracy these are career stats here now the only this a bit of a warning sign is he absorbs about five strikes per minute as well okay but he's had a pretty iron chin so far at least in the UFC I mean his only loss is uh, by decision but uh, here's here's where it really shines though is he's got um, a takedown average of almost five takedowns per fight is 4.72. Jesus. Yeah. That's only
1: three rounds. And fights. he's fighting
0: three rounds. Yeah. Yeah, these aren't five-round fights this guy's doing. So he's getting more than one takedown per round combined with striking like that. And now he's shown to have power in both his hands and his feet, and he's got <clears throat> submission wins on top.
1: Yeah, and that's really big when you talk about going up at 55 because, you know, you're going to have to eventually run into the Charles Oliveras of the world and the fucking Islam Bahachis and yes. Benil Dariush and people who have very high-level grappling. And that is going to be a big part of I think what either
0: makes him champion or doesn't. He's got a takedown defense of eighty uh, percent, which is pretty solid. That I mean, is pretty good. Over you know over six fights now in the UFC, that's that's pretty that's pretty deep. So now he's what five in a row? Now he's won, right? Yep. Calls and taking care of like Matt Travola. In that manner is very impressive. I mean, I knew that fight was going to be a banger, but I didn't yeah. think it was going to be a first round KO by either of those guys. I thought we were probably going to go three rounds and get a fight of the night for sure. But yeah, woo, yep. You know, he's a real problem at 55. He's tall for the weight class too. He's five foot eleven. You know, that's 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 pretty tall. Yeah. Very interested to in see where he's going to go from here. Yeah. So he calls out
1: Poirier and Gaethje after the fight. I don't think either of those guys want that fight, though.
0: I'll tell you that. I don't know what it would benefit either of them at this <laughs> point. But at the same time, they just can't keep fighting and losing to each other. Yeah. You know, with these, these top five guys here.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's really only three or four names in the top 15 now that are, like, fresh faces. And obviously, so you have, like, Benoit, you have Armand... Security or whatever, um, and yeah, like those are like the only two guys that are kind of from the bottom heading up,
0: you know. The Last um, fighter I want to mention on the card that I was really impressed by was um, a flyweight who uh, was coming in fighting a last-minute replacement. That's Steve Astroboy Erzig, who honestly I wasn't that impressed with beforehand. I mean, he's had a remarkable. Stint in the UFC so far, though. I mean, he came in uh, on a late-notice replacement in his first fight and gets the victory against a ranked opponent. So he winds up ranked, I think, 13th after his first fight in the UFC. And now he comes out, and he was going to be fighting Matt Schnell, which would have been a very interesting fight. But he fell out, and he winds up fighting Alessandro Costa, who was like 14-3 and and on a bit of a streak himself and and a decent prospect. And he gets the victory in a tough fight here. But i got to say, I was really fucking impressed with that kid striking is legit. Like like the opposite of Mackenzie Dern striking. <laughs> like his fucking one two combos were beautiful. Like he fires straight. He brings them straight back to the chin. He's he's five foot eleven at one twenty five. Like he's a great <laughs> big dude. And he's um I believe he's Australian as well. Trains over there with Volkanovski. and then they said he's like Volkanovski all stretched out. <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's it's good to see somebody
1: at one twenty five making some noise. Just because, you know, a couple years, three, four years ago, you know, the division was going to be, you know, shut down, and I feel like now, even now, the, the pool of one twenty five is still kind of, I would say, shallow, when you think of like all the other major weight classes. Yeah. So it's good to see somebody making some noise there. Oh, I'm sorry. He's
0: five foot eight. I thought it was five eleven. Five foot eight.
1: So 5'8", is still pretty tall for 125. Also. 125, that's yeah. fucking tall,
0: yeah. Well, all in all, it was a pretty good show. A lot of excitement on the card. And Absolutely. Losing, you know, the, the jones Stepe fight really fucking hurt, but... Yeah. It still came through. Top two main event, or top two main and co-main really delivered.
1: Mm-hmm. And there were some great knockouts on the main card all over. Yeah, there's a few. Like, Jared Gordon had
0: a great fucking knockout.
1: On yeah. Uh, for, I can't remember, I can't pronounce his name, but the... A uh, Brazilian guy from the first fight of the card.
0: He was fucking... That knockout was pretty nasty, too. The one in uh, Jamal Emmer's fight? Um. No, no, on the main card. On the main card? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Rezbecki? Yeah. Natuz Rezbecki? He was from... Uh, he's Polish. I'm probably mispronouncing his name as well. Rebecki? I know it looks like it's Rebecki, but I think you say Rebeski. I'm trying to
1: think if we're talking about the same person.
0: You fought Roosevelt Roberts from the Ultimate Fighter?
1: nah, this is uh this is the very very first fight on the main card on the pay per view,
0: Diego Lopez versus Pat Sabatini,
1: yeah, I think it was Diego Lopez, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Diego Lopez came out and looked great,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. He, I couldn't a,
1: remember his name like I remember his weight. face like, but I never can remember his name
0: no he's he looks like he's a real beast too, yeah. Um, he's pulled it together his last two fights. He had that victory over uh, Tucker, and then coming out here with Pat Sabatini, he looked great. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's close out UFC 295. Yeah, I think it was a good event. Could have been the two greatest of all time going out at each other, but it's all good. I'll take yeah. it. And let's touch on the other part of the show we're going to discuss today, which is who, after all this dust has settled now, because we're going to talk about this anyways because it was supposed to be John Jones versus Stipe, but we can still have the conversation with Aspinall uh, being crowned the interim champion. Mm -hmm. Who's the baddest man on the planet, quote-unquote, right now? Because here's the contenders that we've got in the mix, as usual, in case anybody's not paying attention, but we've got Francis Ngannou. We have got Tyson Fury. We have got... Music, we've got John Jones, and now we've got Aspinall, and I suppose you could throw who am I missing in there I think stipe. that's it stipe. i was go- I was gonna say steep but then andganu beat and him in his last fight, yeah, yeah. and Enganu's in this list at the I think at the tip top, yeah, I mean I'll just come right I mean I don't know how you don't say it, Francis andganu after what happened in the Tyson Fury boxing match, I mean, yeah. I'm, we haven't really discussed that too much here on the show. I'm so used to MMA fighters going out and embarrassing us in boxing. Connor was like the one off. Mm-hmm. And people like to shit on that and say that, oh, Floyd just toyed with him and made it last 10 rounds. He really wasn't that good. But I, I disagree. I think Connor was actually a pretty good fucking boxer. Yeah. Francis was on another level. Yeah, Francis like, was. Remember how slow he looked in the warm-ups? It was almost like he sandbagged it. He perfect. did sandbag. I went back and watched that shit, and I remember John Fury was going off. He was like, this guy's so fucking slow, it's going to be one round. Yeah. This is going to go out and smoke, and this is a fucking joke. Yeah. He was like, I hope he's sandbagging, because this is ridiculous. And, and then Francis came out and was like, lightning goddamn fast, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was quick as fuck. It was crazy. Like, yeah, I couldn't not. believe how fast he was. I couldn't believe that one-twos coming out. That jab, I'm like, it, it, it's my mind playing tricks because Francis Ngannou have like, a jab. Like, a you jab know what I jab. think?
1: Francis Ngannou did better than anybody else. Like, I just want to talk about the fight for just a minute since yeah. we haven't had a chance. The one thing I think Francis Ngannou, what separates him from any of these other, uh, like, MMA fighters who went over to boxing is I don't think he ever gave a, like, everyone else was so worried about conforming to the boxing, like, side of things is, like, how you fight. but I think one thing he did better than anybody else was his use of the clinch game, of it, like, being an MMA fight versus trying to navigate a normal boxing clinch was the make-or-break thing in this fight. Because one thing that Tyson Fury has always, like, gotten a lot of credit for is his ability to use his size to wear his opponents down. Yes. And what he would do is he, he would set the clinch up and you know he'd hit him with a lot of the dirty boxing a lot of you know that that style that can wear people out because it's almost like in in combat or in MMA when you take somebody down and you you stand you you make them have to scramble back to their feet you use a lot of right, your right. a lot of your uh, you lean on them him against the, same the cage etc. Yeah, yeah in boxing when you lean on a guy when you hit him with a lot of dirty boxing <laughs> you keep him in the corner then keep them you know <laughs> running away from you it wears them out and I think the best thing that Francis did was when when Tyson Fury would try to go into those situations, he would handle it like an MMA fight. He would look to get double underhooks and he'd walk Tyson up to the up to the the ring almost like it was like he was walking him up to the cage. Yeah. You know, obviously they still would split it up, but it never gave Tyson an opportunity to ever hit him in those break clinch moments and those you know, because that was one thing he alluded to before the fight. He's like, I see a situation where I, you know, get him in the clinch and dominate him, and then he tries to pull out. I'm going to hit him with the uppercut and knock him out in the third round. That was his prediction going into the fight. That situation never even had an opportunity to happen in that fight because Francis was so good at securing double underhooks in the fucking, in the clinch and just walking Tyson Fury to the closest rope and then breaking it up. There was, and I just feel like that was the biggest difference in the fight. It's like, I just felt like Francis put Tyson Fury in situations that you just normally had never been put into. And also, he never faced a guy like Ngannou who was basically his size. You know what I mean? Like, no one he ever fought, I guess Klitschko could probably be the closest, was ever, like, the most devastating physical, like, heavyweight
0: specimen. And is excessively strong. Yeah. And he's used to manhandling large men, mm-hmm. you know, and using his hands without those big gloves yeah, to do grappling so. and such. And I think Ngannou's speed greatly surprised him. And I think even though he was expecting the power, I still think it shook him. Mm Because there was a couple times where where Fury looked, not scared, I don't mean that, but he looked shocked, looked surprised, looked shook a little bit. Like, Jesus Christ, okay.
1: Not only that, the the shot he knocked Fury down with wasn't even like a a clean shot. Mm -mm. He hit him in like the forehead.
0: So... Nganu has gotten nothing but respect across the board and not just from MMA fighters, but from Fury, but across the boxing world as well to the tune of like Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua going, yeah, we don't do gimmick fights and passing on Nganu when it was still up in the air. If he was going to get the Fury fight, who it was and, and Joshua's name had been floating around to now actively calling him out. Yeah. And wanting that to be uh in the mix for Anthony Joshua's future, which also says heard a lot. And
1: said he thought Ngannou won the fight.
0: We've got the WBC going to put Ngannou in their top ten rankings after that fight, which mm-hmm. says a, quite a bit. And no one is really yeah. that outraged about that. I mean, look I mean, how do you not? I mean, if he goes out and gets smoked in his next fight, I guess you remove him, but yeah. Jesus.
1: Yeah. Should be in there. I mean, he put up a better fight than you know Dylan White, and Dylan White's in there.
0: Tyson Fury afterwards has been saying this the entire time that's his toughest fight in the last ten years, and I mean yes, some of it people want to shit on that, and they're saying, oh well, Fury didn't take him seriously. Okay, let's run with that. Fury had a weak camp. Okay, let's run with both those things. He's still the best heavyweight boxer in the world with massive amounts of experience, who's been boxing his entire fucking life. Yeah. It's not like he forgot how. You just got surprised. You got so even if him. what you say is true, not you specifically, yeah. Paul, but but if that if he took him didn't take him seriously, if he had a weak ass camp, so. Yeah. I, and he's still Tyson fucking Fury. I mean, yeah. so, I just don't think that holds much water because no. the level of skill that Fury has, he doesn't need a full. I mean. You just—you're not going to erase a lifetime of knowledge and skill because you had a shitty camp or you took some guy lightly. Yeah, no. I mean, so. No, not at all. I don't even know how anybody could honestly throw themselves. I don't know how John Jones can come out and be like, "No, I'm the baddest man on the planet now." After that, because of the rare fact where you have people who can legitimately make that argument, who square it off, and yes, Fury won. Yes. Does anybody doubt that in a street fight Nganu would murder that motherfucker? <clears throat> That's I where mean, I
1: feel like this is where this is where I we're gonna tend to disagree.
0: Do we think John Jones could box John, Francis Nganu and lose? No, I don't think it well, I think we think can talk he could about, fight
1: Stipe like that? I think we're um, talking about the baddest men on the planet. I think you have to put boxing aside. Not boxing aside, but you know what I'm saying? Like boxing skills are great. But we're talking baddest man on the planet, like pound for pound. You put all these motherfuckers in a room, who's going to come out? I think it's going to be John Trump.
0: Well, that conversation has come about with the advent of MMA. Like the baddest man on the planet conversation has been around before we had mixed martial arts. I and mean, we yeah. just had these independent karate and other disciplines. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's never really... I mean, I know we make that distinction now, but that's never really been like who who's the best in a street fight. It's been who's the best in combat sports is what we're talking about. I still about, think right? John... I have to go with Francis at this point, because I think Francis might be able to beat John in MMA. Think so? And I think that there's no way John Jones does that to, to Tyson Fury in boxing, and I don't know if John Jones could beat Francis Ngannou in a straight-up boxing match. As uh, dumb as all this sounds, I know a lot of this sounds fucking ridiculous. I think you're giving,
1: I think you're giving Francis more credit than he deserves in the MMA realm of things.
0: It could be. Because I know the boxing win doesn't really do much for his MMA, but it says a lot about his striking. Yeah, I get that. But
1: I don't know. I just, I just look at some of the more dominant wins that John has had in his career and what he's been able to do game plan-wise. I just don't see a scenario where John would ever get into the octagon with Francis and Ganu and not have a perfect game plan and just completely execute the game plan and not care about any of the glitz glamour or any of the, the stuff that would make the fight, a great fight in everyone's eyes, and John would just do that to every single person that you just named what on the What about lives.
0: Aspinall? Same thing. You think an Aspinall in an MMA same thing. fight? Same thing? the uh, same thing. I think no no John... Fury in an MMA fight. Is not even
1: because happen. Aspinall's actually in that conversation too. We have to give him credit. He is one of Fury's like training partners and he said and Fury has said that he's one of his toughest like training partners he has. Yeah, that's that's so. the other
0: way that this all kind of marries in together is that Aspinall's a training partner of Tyson Fury. Yeah. So I don't know very interesting i give the edge to john gotcha. who right now He's still the lineal heavyweight champ in mma yeah and uh almost became the lineal boxing champ because <laughs> you know if he would have beat tyson yeah. you ain't gonna have that wspc belt but he would have had that lineal title which would have been absolutely goddamn nuts to people like me who follow that lineal bullshit
1: yeah
0: that technically been isn't john shape. the light he- living light
1: heavyweight champion
0: i believe so you know i don't know how you make the arguments when people get stripped and all this other shit and then he vacates and things i don't know yeah there so was quite a few different transactions like Johnson's when you side. vacate does it count still i don't know there's a lot of bullshit that goes in it's all bullshit anyways but i like yeah. it and did he really vacate or was he
1: stripped because like the ufc told him that they didn't want him to fight at light heavyweight anymore so was he stripped or did he vacate
0: so thing with like jamal hill yeah. Like, was he stripped or did he vacate? He said he vacated, but did he? I mean, yeah, he was, When the, you're forced to vacate, did you really vacate, or yeah. Were you were you stripped, and they're just being nice? Yeah. How they say it. Well, yeah, anyways, I all agree. right. My votes in, in Ghanu, Yours is Jones. We did have some idiot in the press. I don't know who asked Dana White after the UFC 295 press post fight press conference about co promoting with. The UFC to answer this question, which Ngannou brought up himself on, who was it, Rogan Show? Yeah.
1: No, it's not happening. It Mike's never <laughs> going to do that.
0: First of all, I never co-promotes. it. Second of all, it's not happening. He wouldn't do that back in the day when they could have done it with Fedor. Yeah. What makes you think he would do it with Francis, who's had all this personal beef with? And that was back when the UFC wasn't what they are now. They're a mm-hmm. fucking behemoth now. Yeah. You, right, you know, it's because the only stuff. time he ever did do that shit was when he took Chuck Diddell over to fucking Pride and, and got embarrassed got by fucking out.
1: rampage. Yeah. You know. Yep.
0: Burned him. He was like, fuck that shit.
1: Well the, that was the thing is Pride never sent any of their guys over. They didn't the UFC didn't get any of the Pride guys until Pride dissolved. Remember yep. the first like crossover UFC Pride fight was fucking when Dan Henderson was the Pride champion and he came in and fought Anderson Silva. When Silva was the champion in at the UFC, yeah, 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 I remember. Hmm. Hmm. It's like the last time, and even that was not even set up by Pride, though that was just what happened. Just what because, happened to the purchase yeah. in the fall. Yeah. 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 Oh. So that's not fucking happening. <laughs> that's not happening.
0: So we'll keep arguing about this one for a while. Yeah.
1: And I think that's uh, one of the more unfortunate things. Is that we'll look back in the future as as John Jones and Francis Ngannou being one of those like fights
0: that always got away. Let's hope we don't have the same thing to say about Stepe and John Jones. Oh, so no. We can't have that happen with both don't even say of that the big long. title holders here. It, dude. Come on, what For the real? fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> 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 Shit. All right. Well I think that rounds out the show with that. Yep. Thanks to Binoid C B D. Uh, again, you can find great deals on that. Swat and where, Paul?
1: SWATMAY.com, or you can head over there, click the gear button, buy a t shirt, support the podcast, and then head over to Instagram and follow us at SWATMAY Podcast.
0: Thanks, everybody. Later. Peace.